0: I am back upon my bullshit.
1: <laughs> Welcome once again to superhero stuff you should know. The Schumacher cut. This is Once Again, the Big Ben Bat, and with me is
0: Balsachius Maximus the Third, as usual, from the <laughs> young like no. my father and his father <laughs> before him. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> which so, is Andrew. But yes. it should have been maybe an evil Satrakian kind of pun. I dropped the ball on that one. Oh man, the, the yeah. evil Andruvian,
1: and this is the one where we could do that. I don't think we're going to talk about the evil Satrakian again <laughs> for a long time. <laughs>
0: yeah. I know, it's going to be a while.
1: Sorry, oh, I'm at the top whoops.
0: of the fucking show, I'm choking on water. Alright, <laughs> let's keep going. Keep the so show back going. So,
1: uh, back in 2019, we before we became Superhero Stuff, you should know, we were Superhouse Podcast, and we did a four-part series just on Batman Forever. Started with a review episode, yeah. then went into a script deep dive into different drafts that were rewritten. We had no idea we were going to talk this much about this movie. Uh, you know, talked about the novelization, did an interview with the screenwriters of The Bachelors, and it turned out we were ahead of our time because just the next year is when a movement started called Release the Schumacher Cut.
0: So, yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. This?
1: yeah. I'd like to claim some credit for it, but to be honest, ours kind of grew the same way <laughs> as then it wasn't born because of it. It was mainly due to the fact that around the time that the Snyder Cut was announced for the Justice League, Mark Bernardin brought up that he knew of a longer, darker cut of Batman Forever. And this suddenly, you know, with the whole resurgence of like, hey, we can get all this new, longer cuts on HBO Max and stuff. We can get some more. Maybe we can get the Batman Forever one. And uh, this cut was also confirmed by screenwriter Akiva Goldsman. And on top of that, Joel Schumacher himself passed away in 2020. So all of these events sort of collided with the beginning of the release, the Schumacher Cut movement, to see this longer, darker cut of Forever... And we just never really had an episode covering specifically Batman Forever again until now, because at that point, I thought, oh, we covered everything we needed to. We had four
0: episodes. We had one episode just on the book, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, just on the novelization.
0: So, (laughs) Like, we must be the only video to date about that. (laughs) The only podcast episode that covers solely that.
1: I'm I'm sure there's, uh, I know that there's podcasts on novelizations, so I'm sure they've. Covered it at some point, but they probably don't have the in-depth knowledge of the other scripts or the movie like we do. So, since uh, we've been on this concept art kick, I thought it's time to revisit specifically what exactly was filmed because I know we covered a lot of the script stuff, but some of that was cut before you know anybody was you know in production. So some stuff was cut, a lot of stuff wasn't. We're also now showing visuals on YouTube, so now we can actually show you what the hell we're talking about as opposed to last time when it was oh, all yeah. audio. So, it was a uh, mystery. That. Yes. Uh, and on top of that, there is another draft of Batman Forever I did not read at that time that I have now read.
0: Oh, man. So that's a, that's we all have even more info? We have more info, yes. This is yes. part five.
1: This is technically part five. I guess this the last part, one five part of part five. Of that. Part five was technically... The part six. This is part six.
0: This is part six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of so. our ba- ongoing Batman Forever coverage.
1: <laughs> I think it, it mainly... I was about to say it rivals Batman 89, but we didn't really... We don't really have multi-parts on Batman 89 so much as um, just other things that just tie into Batman 89. This one is specifically on this movie. Though so. I mean,
0: Forever's interesting just in and of the, yeah. the sense that, uh, you know, 89 and Returns kind of reach their full potential more or less. Mm-hmm. But Forever is like, uh, the, we see these extra clips. There's yeah. what, the red letter cut unofficial the red light. Kind of yeah, cut the, out there,
1: the the red the red book edition, yeah,
0: red book edition, uh, stuff like that, and so we know that we know that it, it just didn't quite meet its potential, and it really they like, cut out like some of the best stuff in it, mm-hmm. and then you know Batman and Robin is Batman and Robin, so we don't, even, you know, that's <laughs> it reached a, that another potential. deal, it reached its <laughs> own potential, but Batman Forever is just like, it really is one that is kind of. The, the next best thing after release the Snyder Cut. It truly is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah we are going to go cover basically everything we can about what could possibly be in the Schumacher Cut in terms of what was filmed, and then, uh, you know, cover sort of my thoughts in terms of, like, what that would look like. So uh, on Twitter, the user, and he's also on uh, YouTube, mine, KidZag, got a copy of what's pretty much the shooting script. It's dated October 13th, 1994, Shooting started according to 1995 Batman in September of 1994. So, this is like up to date rewrites and shit. Uh, on the oh, so wow. it's, the, it's the basically as final of a script as you're probably going to get. So, a lot of that is from the script. A lot of these are also images from 1995batman.com, uh, images from Daily Batman Anthology, Enigma Tech Archives, Daily Schumacher. Uh, mind, kid's egg as, as well as the release, the Schumacher cut pages, probably taking from those pages too. So let's dive into it. Uh, So if you're not familiar with the Batman forever, original scripts, you only know the movie. A lot of times I hear this sort of sentiment of just like, well, why would you want more of that bullshit and stuff? And the thing is like, I don't (laughs) think it's, (laughs) it's, it comes from ignorance of what was actually shot and what was actually part of it. So the original opening was going to be completely different. It was not going to be the shot of uh, Batman suiting up. That was actually not going to be seen for another, I would say, another, like, five, ten more minutes into the movie. So the original opening was actually going to be in Arkham Asylum. So here we go. Mm. Uh, this is a deleted shot of Arkham Asylum. It is not in the 2005 DVD Blu-ray. It is seen in the YouTube music video for Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. We showed this in the uh, ranking the Arkham Asylums episode, so we're showing it to you again, along with a model of the behind the scenes, you know, behind the scenes picture of the model for the miniature of it, and it looks pretty epic. Take a look at that. It's like it's it's very much like a basically a a huge haunted castle type of thing that they were going for, and they replicated it too. Yeah, yeah. It is by apparently by John Eves. Uh, And here are other shots of it. And um, I don't know who provided these and stuff, but God bless them, because Jesus, look at this. Uh, You know, we get a similar feel to the one in Batman and Robin, but it's not the same exact one. So uh, this is what we got. The rest of the opening does feature in the 2005 DVD Blu-ray release. Uh, The inside of Arkham looks a lot redder than it does later into the movie. And this would have also been the introduction to the head of Arkham. Dr. Burton, played by René Arbourgenois, and named, of course, in tribute to Tim Burton, right down to, like, the black and white type attire, as well as the, like, the long, poofy black hair. So, uh, that's an obvious tribute there. Dr. Burton goes to visit Harvey Dent in his cell, only to find that Two-Face has escaped and put a guard in his place, and has left a message, The Bat Must Die, which is supposed to be in blood. The guard seems very much alive in the scene, so it's likely coming from, I would say, another guard that he might have killed. So, uh, okay, there's it's already a much darker opening than what we got uh, in the final cut, and uh, this "bat must die" shot is featured in a different way in the YouTube music video. I would say maybe this is like an anim, like part of the music video is animated, so maybe this is just an animated version of the same idea. Who right. knows? Uh, The scene is also featured in the comic book adaptation, as we can see on the left here, Uh, as well as in the official movie magazine. Another shot of Dr. Burton looking up, another shot of the Bat Must Die message here. So that's pretty cool. And then we also have concept art for this scene, courtesy of the Instagram of Ray uh, Garcilio. Uh, However, it says that this was for Batman Unchained. So this is interesting to me. Uh, I'll have to talk, I've never spoken to this user before, but uh, either this is potentially mislabeled, or maybe they plan to do a variation of this scene in Batman Unchained, because again, this was a deleted scene from Batman Forever, it did not make it into the theatrical cut, and, you know, why not recycle some, some ideas and shit, so maybe right. they did have a plan where, like, Scarecrow escapes from Arkham, or Batman was supposed to get thrown into Arkham in the Batman Unchained script, so maybe Batman escapes this way in as a like a reversal in Batman Unchained I don't know we have unfortunately not found the Batman Unchained script so that's just up to speculation but for the time being I'm just going to say this is most likely Occam's Razor concept art for Batman Forever of the opening because it's the same exact shot of Dr. Burton walking in and the guard being like basically hung up uh from the escape of Two-Face so that's pretty much what we got uh the Batman Forever novelization by Peter David which we also covered in a four-part series has a scene that dramatizes Two-Face's escape where he bribes a guard named Richter and then murders him and then basically slices his throat and uses the blood to write The Bat Must Die. Uh, It seemed like something that Peter David wrote. Uh, We can't formally confirm whether or not they shot this since it's not in the deleted scenes. We don't have a lot to go off of, but the Fleer Ultra cards do show Two-Face escaping. And uh, on top of that, we have this shot of Tommy Lee Jones behind the, basically the cell of Arkham Asylum. So who knows? The shot courtesy from Nygmatech Archives. So I'll leave that up for people's speculation. But uh, basically, Two-Face escapes from Arkham in the opening of this movie. And the movie does not cut to Bruce suiting up to stop him just yet. It would have actually gone to the next day at Wayne Enterprises. Uh, so we would have gotten the same sort of helicopter zoom in into Wayne Enterprises In the theatrical cut, the news report is about you know Batman tried to stop Two Face and stuff because you know it's in it's in a different order than in the original version. In this version, the news report is actually about Two Face's origin and who Two Face is. So that's where we would have gotten the immediate exposition about who Two Face is. We'd still have gotten Harvey in the courtroom getting the acid in his face. We still would have gotten Batman in the courtroom as well, true to the Golden (laughs) Age origin. You know, people think it's lame, but I'm also like it's the most faithful adaptation of the Two-Face origin, though. So, uh, some interesting details that are in the script, though. They say that Harvey was running for mayor, similar to what we would get in the Telltale series many years later, so that's interesting. It also has a specified version where Batman hits the vial of acid to try to, you know, knock Maroni's throw pretty wide, but it's Harvey's own ill-timed block, it says, that sends the acid back into his face, which kind of makes it Harvey's fault that he got scarred uh, in this one. Right? Uh, it's said that he has left brain damage that turned him into a criminal, which is like their really basic explanation for why he's you know pretty much a lunatic in this movie. And uh, <laughs> we were supposed to see, I mean, yeah, yeah, we were supposed to see Harvey in the hospital with his face bandage, and next to him would be quote his fiance Gilda Gold recoil in horror. So we could have gotten the live action debut of Gilda in this. In the script. I don't know no. if they shot this specifically. But it is in the final shooting script. It was not in any of the other previous drafts. So uh, maybe it was just a case. Where are just like you know what. Let's just not spend the money to try to find some random extra. To play Gilda in this. Let's just, just throw the right. ass in his face. So that makes sense. So after this exposition. We would have get we would have seen more of Bruce Wayne. At Wayne Enterprises. With his entourage. Including young John Favreau. You can see on the right here. <laughs>
0: So young,
1: uh, yes, yeah, so young. This is years before he was Focky Nelson in Daredevil or Happy in uh, the Iron Man and Spider Man movies. Or
0: the 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 architect of <laughs> <laughs> the of all popular culture, of the most popular <laughs> pop culture in the world. Yes, uh, if you don't know, he directed Iron Man One, thus starting off the MCU. So,
1: and he's kicked off the yeah. whole uh, Disney Plus Star Wars resurgence with The Mandalorian. So, he did the Mandalorian, he directed
0: of Elf. All you people probably watch fucking Elf every fucking uh, Christmas, <laughs> just like I do, because yes. it's fucking solid as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, his Lion King was like, all right, it just Jungle Book <laughs> was like, it was it was good for what it was. You know, I could see Favreau's magic in it. I'm mm-hmm. a big Favreau fan, like yeah. pretty much. I mean, we all like suck Nolan's dick and everything all the time, and Favreau is just sitting in the back like fucking archi- being the architect to fucking everything. So That's true. Anyway, that's my Favreau rant. He's I'm curious
1: great. if he remembers much of this in terms of like oh, probably other, other scenes that he's part of. Yeah, pro- probably not. But <laughs> there is there is supposed to be an extended sequence of Bruce with his entourage and Favreau did play one of those members. So I don't know if he had like a speaking part oh, in wow. this. But it's basically a sequence where Bruce is like basically multitasking a whole bunch of stuff all it's the standard stuff you see it's it's a trope with all the aides and assistants giving him like five different things at once and bruce is able to answer each thing so it would have shown like businessman bruce because we didn't really get to see much of that in the uh right tim burton michael keaton movies this was kind of like the introduction to like this is our take on bruce wayne uh there's even a reference to lex to lex corp so that's cool Someone mentions oh, wow. LexCorp Stock, so there's that. The movie already does have a reference to Metropolis later in the movie when he says that this right. is halfway to Metropolis. So, you know, the Superman references started coming in with Schumacher. You know, the opening of Batman and Robin has clearly to say, this is why Superman works alone. So clearly there's a <laughs> Superman Metropolis thing going on at the same time in this world.
0: I guess so, man. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, I could be wrong about this. Double check me, comment uh, or whatever, but... Favreau was like, he was on the set of Rudy, mm-hmm. kind of an old sports film at this point, but he, he was an actor before, right? And he was already, even at that time, apparently bugging the director. I've heard stories, some, I don't know where I've heard this, but he was just already bugging the director on how to direct mm. just way, <laughs> way back in the day. He was, pl- he was planting the seeds to be a director mm. kind of from the, from the get go. And now look at him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Jeez, well, he might have been part of the scene. Who knows? He might have been the one to mention LexCorp. I don't know. Uh, and I, yeah. I, honestly really doubt that he remembers. But who knows? Who
0: knows? Oh, this, uh, <laughs> I would love to interview him. I would love to interview of him. All the things to sort of, interview him about. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're not here to talk about Iron Man, the MCU, Spider Man movies, The Mandalorian, any of the, any of your directing work. We just really want to talk about Batman Forever. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he's fucking yeah. He's
0: of course. Um, what's that guy's name in Spider-Man? Happy. Happy, yeah. Happy Hogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, it's also planted that Gossip Gertie, the reporter, is already wondering who Bruce is going to take as his date to the charity circus. So that is planted way earlier in the movie on this part. okay. obviously the circus plays a role in the plot with Dick Grayson. Uh, there's a gag where Bruce is told, oh, you know, that reporter, Gossip Gertie's on line one. The Japanese prime minister is on line two. So Bruce decides <laughs> he's going to flirt with a reporter and he picks up, you know, the phone, and he's just like, hi, gorgeous. And then he's like, oh, Prime Minister. <laughs> so, uh, just a little bit of a gag there. Okay. and uh, it's, it's mainly, it's. I mean, it would have added more to the comedic stuff that's already in this movie. Bruce tells everybody to breathe, and then as he, he walks away, he's like, I gotta give myself a raise. So, it's a nice <laughs> little scene. Does it add much to the movie? No, it's kind of just more of the introduction to Bruce. But I, this, if you're gonna do Bruce Wayne... Um, the businessman, I like this version of Bruce Wayne. Uh, the ideal public Bruce Wayne to me is in the Schumacher movies, if we're going to go with the the live action take. He's, you know, still known as a Bit of Flirt and Womanizer, but it's less about him being a playboy and more about him just being a businessman and, and a philanthropist and stuff. So, like, I really love that aspect that was brought to it, and I, I'd say Kilmer's probably one of my favorites when, or maybe my favorite when it comes to just businessman Bruce, in a way. So...
0: Right, yeah, that's true.
1: As Bruce goes on the tour, we would meet Edward Nigma. This is a shot, again, from the U2 <laughs> music video. Uh, and it's likely from the script's extended introduction of Edward. So... Before Edward sees Bruce, he's already like fantasizing in the script about being invited to dine at Wayne Manor and what he would say to Bruce over the dinner table and that type of stuff. And then he sees soon Bruce come to be
0: in. retired actor pictured here, Jim Carrey.
1: Yes. Harry.
0: Yes. His final film, Sonic the Hedgehog Two. I mean, honestly,
1: <laughs> honestly, more power to him. More power to him. Yeah. Fantastic career. Gets to yeah. have a shit ton of fun on his last one. Gets to go out when he wants to and do whatever the fuck he wants. And love it, dude. If so, he's if he's great. manic
0: depressive and like if it's gonna make him happy, I just don't want to see one of my all time childhood heroes, Jim Carrey, to be a sad bastard like he is these days. It seems like sometimes I was almost you afraid I mean? too
1: that after Robin Williams, he would like have the same fate and stuff. <sighs> uh, yeah, I was worried but, about
0: that. It seems like not, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it's, anyway,
1: it's, we're pulling. Yeah. We're we're rooting for you, Jim. So if you want to retire, then happy retirement. I'm completely oh. supportive of that.
0: He's one of the few, uh, actors that I would, I, man, I would get kind of like starstruck, I think, cause mm-hmm. I've just been such a, he was one of the first actors that I really gravitated towards because he was like a fucking, it was like a Looney Tune on screen. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm going off on Jim Carrey great stuff yeah let's keep going Ben <laughs> Edward Enigma so
1: Enigma uh, <laughs> as Bruce meets Enigma there's another gag that's in the script I don't think it was filmed but maybe it was where Bruce sees like a design for a new airplane but it doesn't quite work and so he just kind of grabs it and starts like tinkering with it throughout the scene when he's talking to Enigma and then at the very end when he leaves Nigma he puts it back and starts working again <laughs> so it was supposed to show that like Bruce can fucking, like multitask like a motherfucker and like is vastly intelligent. I don't think he it looks was... into
0: the camera and he's like, it's not just women that can multitask. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: It's it's something where I don't think it was shot because of the fact that he would have been like playing with it throughout the scene. And he doesn't have it with him in the in the scene of the theatrical cut. So I think they just okay. cut it because I thought there was just too much going on at that. So Bruce sees the bat signal during his meeting with Edward to alert him in the original cut to uh, stop Two-Face at the bank rather than the final cut where it's to tell him that, uh, you know, Chase Meridian is wanting a booty call over at GCPD headquarters. (laughs) So in this version, he goes to stop Two-Face at the bank. He goes into his office, uh, does that awesome part where he has the door locked behind him and has the chair take him down into the little tunnel to transport him to the Batcave. So there's a line in the trailer that's not in the final film where he says, I've left Wayne Enterprises en route to the Batcave, which is cool. I think maybe that was just a line for the trailer. It's not a line that's in the script. I think maybe it was just something that they're just like, eh, let's just put it in just in case people don't don't know. They're too right. dumb, so the audience.
0: So it was an ADR, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Alfred's like, I can clearly see that, Master Bruce. Like, he doesn't need that information to the audience. So we would get the suit-up sequence that opens the theatrical cut where he dons everything, comes out. Alfred asks if he needs a sandwich, and Batman still says, I'll get drive through." Uh,
0: goes <laughs> calls McDonald's. Ruled the 90s. Indeed. Let's not forget the iron grip McDonald's had before Supersize Me came out. It
1: is really what is the big factor between returns and forever. You know, McDonald's I, look, did not like the fact that they had to do these penguin things with a bio coming out. They didn't, but still. The,
0: I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I was a kid mainly in the 90s, mm-hmm. but it just kind of felt like McDonald's had a huge presence at that time. Yeah. And and then, like, ever since Super Size Me came out, which was, like, early 2000s, they, they've, they've been reeling from that ever same. since. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, we then end up meeting Two-Face in the bank, and here's some concept art we missed out last time of Two-Face, where apparently not only is his bad side scarred, but his bad side is also twice as big as his good side.
0: His bad side jacks.
1: jacked. <laughs> I only work out one side
0: of my body. Uh, I don't... I skip leg day on one side only. (laughs) One leg and everything else. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he does one legged squats. (laughs) One bicep, (laughs) one bicep as well. One, one fucking uh, trap. The other side is just (laughs) doing cardio. So that's (laughs) that's hilarious. What a way to throw your body off a fucking off kilter, man.
1: (laughs) It's got to be the duality of man.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You're killing
1: yourself, though. I don't (laughs) care. So in the script, Two Face. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Two Face has his introduction talking to the bank guard, flips the coin, deciding to keep the guard alive as live bait for Batman. Same stuff we saw in the movie. In the shooting script, there is an additional scene where a thug is just like, "You shouldn't have left him alive." And Two Face flips the coin. It lands on the evil side, and then he grabs the thug by the throat and yells at him for questioning him. And that's what would have been the reveal of Two Face's ugly side, literal ugly side, to the camera. No. So that's how it was originally scripted. It was going to be like you just that's see his good, good side for a bit. And then when it lands on the bad side, then he turns to the ugly side and assaults the thug. I don't think this was shot because of the fact that, like, Schumacher already films the reveal of the bad side with the bank guard earlier. So I think they're just like, yeah, let's just make it more economical. Let's just make this okay. more concise. So uh, Batman shows up. The thugs line up to see Batman arrive in the elevator. We get this alternate take of Batman kicking all the thugs down from the trailer. So that's not in the movie. Uh, He then lands, and in the trailer, he says, going down. This is also not in the movie. Uh, We didn't need that (laughs) in the final film, so that's not something I would need to see in the the Schumacher cut. Uh, 1995, Batman also brought up the trailer, has some of the fight scenes without the cartoony sound effects of the final cut. I think this is just more of a matter of, like, the trailers are usually cut together while the movie's still being like the movie's final cut is being put yeah. together. So they likely just didn't have the sound effects there at the time anyway. Right. Uh, so during the helicopter sequence, Batman is hanging on a chain from the helicopter and there seems to be a deleted bit that probably was filmed because we have footage of it. But Two Face considers shooting Batman from there. And so he flips the coin and he looks and it comes clean side up. These shots again courtesy of the U2 music video. Who knew? that it was going to be such a treasure trove of different shots from the uh, the fabled Schumacher cut. So
0: They thought you two was going to be the one to <laughs> have the hit. Yes. Until Seal.
1: Indeed. Uh, Two-Face then decides that if they could just kill Batman with a hel- He basically says, you know, if I can't kill him with the gun, because it's clean side, then I'll kill him with a helicopter. So he says a line that's in the trailer, but not in the final film, where he says, if the bat wants to play, we'll play. So... <laughs> Uh, there's also an extra shot of the helicopter flying through Gotham in the U2 music video. We've also got some storyboards courtesy of 1995 Batman with Batman hanging from the chain here as well as here. So some more good stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff on this. Uh, The next scene we have is from the 2005 DVD and Blu-ray in which Two-Face and Batman have more of a conversation during the helicopter fight in which Two-Face says, you're a killer too, and you know it, which was supposed to be the first part that sparks the red book edition or the red book subplot in this, because it, it basically fuels Bruce's trauma and stuff about like, I feel like I'm a killer too. So this scene, unfortunately it's like, I love the intent of it as it exists right now on the home release. It's clear that it's, I don't know if they shot more of this, like basically it only right. seems to really exist in a wide shot and I'm pretty damn sure that the stuntman as Batman trying to deliver the shots because that does not sound like Kilmer and, and stuff like the way oh he said, yeah, yeah. It's definitely Tommy Lee Jones, but like the way that Batman's delivering the lines is like that's that's definitely not Kilmer and stuff. And I don't think it was supposed to be the stuntman doing the lines. That's why the stuntman is just kind of just flatly yelling the lines out. He's not actually delivering it because he's not the actor for this. So uh, yeah, if they're going to do some sort of recut of this. They would have to definitely find more footage if there's any of Kilmer or we'll see if Kilmer ever did ADR for this. We don't know on this, but basically Batman fails to stop Two-Face. The helicopter crashes into the Lady Gotham statue, forcing Batman to jump in the water. And in the water, Batman was supposed to start having flashbacks of his parents' deaths intercut with Two-Face's dialogue saying, You're a killer too, which is basically implying Bruce's own trauma of feeling like he killed his own parents. So... That all would have been planted early in the movie. So after the bank robbery sequence, then we'd get the sequence where Edward Nygma kills Stickley and fakes his suicide and becomes the Riddler and stuff. We have some alternate shots of Jim Carrey that didn't make it into the movie, including this beauty right here. (laughs) It's a very flattering (laughs) shot. Mr. Carey here, of his tongue sticking out and oh, <laughs> kind of man. going cross-eyed. Uh, on it for our This is R-O the listeners. ugliest
0: he's ever been. <laughs> Probably, but
1: he, he's tr- he's trying to be. <laughs> you know, I uh, I know extremely I know. intentional. He's
0: making a Jim Carrey face. So it's
1: either this Jim Carrey yeah. face or this Jim Carrey face.
0: This was uh, this, this is better.
1: <laughs> it's a little bit more flattering. Yes. I mean, this, is, this <laughs>
0: looks looks like his brains being totally fried for yes, sure.
1: Yes. So that is, uh, that's, those are deleted moments from it, but it's basically probably just from alternate takes of it. I don't think anything specific was cut from the sequence. Uh, after Edward kills Stickley, though, Bruce would have had a nightmare, including seeing the bat in the cave, as I'm showing here. And then Alfred wakes him up. And then there's kind of a scene that's in the script, I don't know if it was shot, where Alfred sort of chides him for not taking good enough of care of his equipment because of the state of the bat suit after what happened in the fight with Two-Face. And then Bruce decides to investigate and find out more about Two-Face. So he watches interview footage of Two-Face at Arkham, which is where this image comes from of Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face in a straitjacket, courtesy of Nygma Tech archives. So this uh, picture started going around, I think, in 2020, and there's a lot of misinformation about this. I talked to Nygma Tech archives, and they're frustrated on how a lot of bloggers or people online sort of use this image to say, oh my god, there's an alternate ending where Two-Face survives and gets thrown into Arkham (laughs) because of the straitjacket image. Forgetting that Two-Face escaped from Arkham in the beginning of the movie. So, no, there's no alternate ending of Two-Face surviving and getting thrown in in Arkham. This is from an earlier sequence in the movie where it's footage of him in Arkham Asylum. So, in this footage, Two-Face talks about finding a land where light is shadow and freaks are kings. A possible clue. For a future crime. So, you know, he's he's pulling a book out of Riddler's playbook before Riddler even exists in this version. So, uh, after this, it's likely that this video is what Bruce is watching in this scene. So, in the final cut, Bruce is sitting here in a robe, watching footage of Harvey getting the acid thrown in his face, explaining the origin of Two-Face and that type of stuff. But uh, in the original sequence and stuff, he was supposed to be investigating Two-Face. He was supposed to be watching Two-Face in Arkham and stuff. So uh, that was obviously reordered around. Bruce then goes to Wayne Enterprises, finds out about Stickley's death. Gordon proves he's the worst detective in the world when he's just like, it was definitely suicide, just based off of (laughs) the stuff. And uh, Oh, man. Yes, we were meant to get another scene of Edward tinkering with a box at his apartment as we see here in this image from Tech Archives again on this. And uh, there was going to be another scene, probably cut from later on. I don't know if it was shot, but there's a scene written in an earlier draft where Edward tests the upgraded version of the box on his landlady, Mrs. Lusotola. And we kind of get that image here in this concept art here where we see this woman, because that's definitely not Stickley there, and uh, Edward's testing it out on her. So, I don't know. Again, I don't know if they actually cast an actress to be in this part. I have a feeling they just cut it. They're just like, we don't need to shoot this. We just need a shot of Jim working on the box. So, Bruce, after this, visits Dr. Chase Meridian, as seen in this publicity shot of Kilmer driving. Look at this. This is prime hotness in 1995. (laughs)
0: That's true. (laughs) This is classic Bruce Wayne balling out of controls kind of shot. Get me yeah, this, this car. Is a cool car. <laughs> yeah, a cool car too.
1: Black turtleneck, black coat, sunglasses. <laughs> it's perfect. So uh, yeah, that's true. There is <laughs> a line.
0: <laughs> there's a line. This that's car I, I like more than <laughs> the one in, in the Batman that he pulls up in. That's
1: true. I can
0: that, that car was like looked like it was three pounds. It was like real <laughs> small, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> it was. I guess maybe it was kind of like to contrast the the one he really feels at home with. I
0: understand. With, you know? I understand. It was it was cool, but I like this one more.
1: I like this one more. Like if I were to choose which Bruce Wayne car and look I would go with between that one and the Panson one, I'll go with this one.
0: Oh you know? for sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So if anybody out there wants to buy two car two of these cars for us, just let us know and we'll just roll we all-
0: coast. <laughs> <laughs> we will take all the pictures you want of us in it. Yep. And we'll send them to you in snail mail.
1: <laughs> With these outfits, too.
0: <laughs> we'll get the Black Steve Jobs turtleneck. Yeah. Or Bruce White turtleneck, <laughs> I guess, at this point. um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. It yeah. looks cool. It's definitely cool. Yeah. Uh,
1: there's kind of a meta line, too, where Chase brings up that, oh, I thought you would be older to Bruce. I don't know if this is a reference to how Kilmer is younger than Keaton, but it's interesting that that was written in because that's. I don't know why she would think he was older in other contexts. It seems like it's it's likely that. So, who knows. But Bruce ends up inviting her to the circus, and when they're at the circus, Chase brings up a quote from, I think it's Rudyard Kipling. It's identified in the novelization, but not in the script, where the circus is is the land of light and shadow where freaks are king, which is what Two-Face said, and Bruce figures out Two-Face is going to strike right when Two-Face arrives. Now, you may notice in the shot from the movie, there is a dead clown now, when did this happen?
0: Uh, thanks to <laughs> fucking dead clowns on the fucking <laughs> floor. <laughs>
1: yeah, but in the final movie, like the main ones who die during the sequence are the Graysons. So how did this happen? Well, thanks to a user named Batman Again. Batman Again is a user on YouTube who basically is, is putting together a mashup of Batman Forever stuff, including deleted scenes, but also putting, like, different music from other Batman movies over it to make it feel a lot more serious. And this user showed footage. It looks like a behind-the-scenes special, but it looks like Two-Face shoots the clown in the head. Damn. So, yeah. That was cut as well. Probably too dark and stuff, but Two-Face is responsible <laughs> for that that clown's death. So if you ever see this shot in the movie, now you know in terms of when that happened.
0: That's crazy, man. If they put all this in there, they, they might have like backlash again of it being like if it's way darker than even the red book cut, you know? I mean Yeah, I don't know. It's like let let's bet there'll be like a outpouring for another cut that's not quite as dark. Well yeah, you it's know? like
1: when the Superman two Donner cut came out. There were certain things in there that weren't in the original and people were so used to the original that like most fans, if you ask them which one you prefer, they mostly like elements of both and wish that there was a cut that had you know, there are fan cuts out there that sort of fuse the theatrical cut and the Richard Donner cut together in terms of, like, the ultimate Superman 2, that type of stuff. They Neither one is really considered to be the definitive one on it. And, uh, you know, who knows on this? I do have my own sort of opinions I'll save to the end in terms of, like, what I think this would look like. But just to give you a preview of it, considering just how comedic everything kind of is played in this, I think things that seem dark out of context might... Turn out not to be as dark in the context okay. when we see the execution of it.
0: I mean, if Two Face is straight up murking <laughs> <laughs> a clown in front of everybody, yeah. it just looks, it doesn't it look would be too dark, comedic. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Probably not. But I mean, if you got like Golden Thunnel's music being all comedic or some like pratfall type sound <laughs> effects to it it, it, it still would be dark because he's killing the guy, but I could also see it not be, you know what I mean? Like just. Just from how things were portrayed in it. So I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, but uh, af- basically, after this, Bruce adopts Dick Grayson, 45 year old Dick Grayson, to Wayne yes. Manor and has flashbacks while he's in the library. Now, in the final cut of the movie, it's just like different flashes of his parents' death. But in the script, he sort of daydreams bits of the funeral and the daydream ends with a bat f- crashing through the window, just like in year one. So. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's also shown in uh, Mind Kids Ag also shared a sort of continuity shot list. That was uh, I don't know how he got a hold of that, but anyway, <laughs> it does include this moment. So I don't know if this is actually shot, but we could have gotten the bat crashing through the window for the first time and potentially only time on film. So that would have been cool, even though it's not really like the moment where he learned, you know, decides I shall become a bat. But it's a nice tribute to that.
0: I shall also crash through glass as well oh, that's in every true. movie. <laughs> yes,
1: that's true. So Indeed. So Batman later gets called away to chase Meridian with a bat signal. And afterwards, we would have the Batmobile sequence, which was, again, not in any of the original scripts until, like, I guess the final draft. They're just like, hey, let's add in another action sequence. So they wrote in a Batmobile sequence. And the script version of it is different from what we got in the movie. So in the movie, Batman's driving around the Batmobile and Two-Face pretends to be like, you know, (laughs) this old woman pushing a stroller and shit and then reveals himself, you know, launches the bazooka, ends up hitting his own men, that type of stuff. This does not happen in the script. In the original script, uh, Two-Face is already in the car going after Batman and the Batmobile, as you can see on the second page of this on the right, the Batmobile starts basically jumping off uh, bridges and jumping off of rooftops and shit. (laughs) <laughs> before Batman begins. So
0: the rear fin, middle fin also splits into two.
1: Yeah, as we can see here. From panel to I panel. think it was supposed to show that here as well. It was right. supposed to split up uh in in action which you know, as we saw in the final film just ends up looking I mean, I get it's silly in the final film when it's Dick Grayson bouncing it up and down, but it just ends <laughs> up making it look like a bunny at that point. The yeah, way it's designed.
0: It, it's too floppy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh it's This type of thing, as you can see, is featured in the comic book adaptation as well as the novelization. Uh, It's after this that Two-Face and Riddler team up and start their crime spree, and there's a bit in the script after one of the crimes where Riddler programs the box and says, you know, I think Batman needs a new do. And so we get a scene from the 2005 home release where Batman sees a crime in progress, pulls up in the Batmobile, runs in only to find that he's in a salon, and a hairdresser says, A little off the ears, Batman? It's corny. This scene
0: I would have cut. Yeah, <laughs> I, this is the, one of the few. This is one of the few ones I, th- I feel is totally beyond the pale. It's just, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't love it. I don't. Really. I
1: don't either. I mean, it would have been less corny if if he like runs in. is just a shot of the people, and then you just cut after that. You don't need the hairdresser's line about a little off the ears. Uh, yeah. Maybe she just. They just really need to give her a line that day because that's not in the script. But uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> the other difficulty is like we don't know if they shot the other stuff that sets this up because out of context it just looks like Batman's an idiot who showed up at the wrong place. But the, the explanation right. is that Riddler used the box to fool the Batcomputer. So that would have been really cool, okay. showed how advanced Riddler's stuff is and there was a scene afterwards where you know Riddler announces who he is on the news and Bruce brings up that he knew Two-Face wasn't sophisticated enough to fool the Batcomputer. So that would have been cool but I don't know if those specific Bits were shot. You would need Jim Carrey being, you know, setting it up, and you would need Val right. Kilmer talking about that in the later scene. So if you have that stuff, then sure, put it back in and, and cut the part about the hair, you know, from the hairdresser. And I think that would probably work a lot better. Who knows? We'll see. I don't know what was shot and what wasn't. Uh, so during the Riddler and Two Face crime spree, we had this scene with Riddler asking Two Face to punch a guy, but Riddler ends up hurting his hand instead. Two Face, <laughs> then, you know, the s- sequence is actually extended. In the original version, Two-Face would have punched the guard, as we see in in the shot from the trailer. And Riddler would not give up that easily, so he would take his cane and beat down the guard. This was shown in the trading cards. And when I first heard about this, I'm just like, that sounds dark as fuck. He's beating the guy to death with a cane. But then, I don't know, just looking at these images, it's, it's the same suspicion I have with the other stuff. Like, this might have been more comedic than we think in this, you know. It just depends on how they played it. I could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong on this. So uh, until we see it one day, it's just up to speculation, you know.
0: It's yeah. So if all this gets in there, it would it would be quite dark, which I'm kind of down for because it's just so mm-hmm. that it's, it would be such a weird combination of wacky and dark. There aren't yeah there aren't too many movies like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, shit, why not?
1: Yeah, yeah. So. We'll have to see in terms of how that was portrayed. But on paper, it sounds a lot darker. During this Mm -hmm. montage, we would have gotten another scene featured in the 2005 DVD and Blu-ray of Dick finding, uh, I mean, basically Bruce finding Dick misusing the fuck out of a Wing Chun dummy, using it like a punching bag, as we've seen before in the $10 Patreon. And uh, Dick insists that killing Two-Face is his only future. And Bruce tries to tell him like not to use his pain like that. And Dick rejects the advice, says he's got nothing to learn from Bruce. And so Bruce then does a roundhouse kick that breaks the Wing charm dummy and tells Dick to not be so sure. He now has to pay for a new one at that point. Oh, my God. Uh, Kicked
0: it off to prove a point.
1: Yeah. Some editing could have cleaned this up because Val Kilmer is clearly about to lose his balance with that roundhouse kick when we saw it in the $10 Patreon. But uh, I like the general sentiment of it. I, like, this is the main movie that exists of, of Batman mentoring Dick as Dick becomes Robin and stuff. So,
0: yeah, I, you
1: know, more scenes of that I would have been down for. Uh, Bruce would also be continually dreaming of his father's diary, The Red Book. We've got this shot of Bruce waking from a dream, disturbed. Also from, you guessed it, the YouTube music video of Hold Me Through, We man. Kiss Me, Kill Me. Uh, just because we're covering it for this month, we'll likely watch that YouTube music video along with others in, I'm thinking, for our $10 Patreon tier this month for the monthly meetup. So we'll just cover Batman music videos and stuff and the deleted scenes that are within. So that's what we got on there. What are your thoughts so far on what could be... This is the closest we've got so far to the Schumacher cut is uh, this deep dive.
0: It's, you know, just like I've been saying, it would just be quite dark if all this is in there. It would change probably more than people expect, which they're going to have to have a pretty Mm -hmm. gifted editor. But you said the editor for the original is still alive, right?
1: Um, I'd have to look that up. I'll look that up during the break and stuff. Okay. But, uh I, okay. I know Akiva Goldsman, who did the, you know, final rewrites on the script, said that he had seen a, a darker cut beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which one it is, but it's likely people are saying it's a work print version that has some of these scenes. And again, I'm mainly trying to focus on scenes that we pretty much know are shot because we got literal images of them around there. So they exist right. in some form. How good they are in execution, who knows, you know? So we'll have to see, but I'd love to see it rather than just speculate on it. But if they if there's, like, missing stuff or there's things that are key that they just, like, ended up deciding to cut before they end up shooting it, then it's going to be weird because it's, like, we don't have the stuff. In which case, then I would prefer it to just be something that, you know, just doesn't exist or we would see the individual scenes of it because I, I'd rather have that... I'd rather have the imagination than something that is just completely, just forever incomplete. Like, give me the complete one or else is basically my my stance on this.
0: Yeah, the lost potential. Yeah, exactly. Like what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it would be great. And everybody that, uh, you know, grew up with this movie is grown-ass adults now. So obviously Mm -hmm. we can take a... We'd like to see a darker version just pop up on uh, HBO Max. But uh, Ben, how much... Stuff, do you think was shot that we've never seen the light of day? That's mm. in the scripts that you've read. You're pretty sure was probably shot.
1: Um, I probably about like say 10 like ten minutes. In terms of that, we've never seen. So are we? We're saying like stuff that like not even this shot of Al Kilmer um, would count. Yeah, for that. not
0: like nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing has surfaced, but you're pre- uh, like pretty sure it was probably shot.
1: Maybe like a handful of scenes, um, or less than a handful of scenes. Like, I think most of the stuff does exist in some okay. way, like this Val Kilmer thing, where like if if this wasn't around, I wouldn't be so sure. Like the bat flying through the window, I don't know. Like that that was still on the shot list, but who knows? They might have just been like, you know what, we don't have time today. <laughs> you know, like who knows? Uh,
0: That's a whole like you know what you call a gag, like it would be like a fake bat. It wouldn't be CG in '94. Oh, no, you no, know, you would need a, fake a mini bat mini flying through. Yeah, mini citrakian uh, glass. Yeah, yeah. Need a evil. Well, evil, Yeah, mini citrakian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There probably was, probably were miniatures of the citrakian. Yeah, because we, well, maybe, maybe.
1: With, with filmmaking, uh, for our you know viewers and listeners, like a lot of these decisions, we saw this too with '89. Like a lot of these decisions are like made when it's happening. So like stuff that is in the script, even the final script. Doesn't, you know, they might not have necessarily shot certain things. There's certain pieces of dialogue. I'm not even covering some like dialogue that was cut and stuff. Two Face has a lot more dialogue in, in the scripts. He's a lot more verbose and stuff, but like was that actually shot or not? I don't know. It could have just been a case where Tommy Lee Jones just didn't want to say stupid shit. I'm not I don't know. I'm
0: not saying this dumb line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or it was shot. We don't know uh on that yeah. so, like look at the batmobile sequence they just kind of randomly decide we need a new batmobile sequence with two-face that's not in the bachelor script it's not in the uh 94 akiva Goldsman rewrite but ends up being in there and even that's different from what, what what Goldsman wrote so a lot of these decisions are made on the fly we don't know there's certain things that like we think maybe you know they probably shot this but we don't have any evidence of it. Maybe they just decided they didn't need it. And then eventually they're just like, we're cutting it anyway. So like, fuck it. We don't need to, we don't need to film this part that ties into that.
0: I mean, that I extra know. sequence might've been, that has the, the air of them showing a, a cut when the movie was done before mm-hmm. they went into um, reshoots. And you know, the, the, the producers were probably like, let's get another Batmobile sequence in here or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a lot to add on the fly, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah, I can yeah. see
1: that. I can see execs being just like, yeah, you want to sell the toys of the Batmobile, right? Well, you need to showcase the Batmobile. There's no showcase for the Batmobile, because it literally just drives the Two Faces bank. Kind of <laughs> just drives shit. Dick Grayson, steals it, and then it gets blown up by Riddler.
0: Look, McDonald's really wants another fucking <laughs> Batmobile sequence, and they yeah. are King ding a It's the 90s, yep. you guys. Mm-hmm. It's the 90s. Well, I'm like, just a modern '90s girl. <laughs> Remember lines like that. It's the '90s.
1: Yeah. Well, McDonald's was king in the '90s, and basically the ones behind a lot of the stuff, or influencing these at least, or at least execs were afraid of McDonald's in some way. That this. was the
0: Wall Street guy at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So McDonald's owned Wall Street, bro.
1: Now things are things are different. So who knows? We could see a bit of this, but we have a whole other half
0: to cover, and we'll cover that after the break. Explode when Defeated presents something really neat and full of meat.
1: Those children aren't going to protect themselves in a brand new podcast series about everyone's favorite giant reptile. Godzilla? No, we already did that one. Rodan? Nope, uh, we did that one too. Gorgo? Gamera. We're talking about Gamma.
0: From turtles to medieval samurai golems on our new series, Demolition Die.
1: Only on the HyperX Podcast Network. <laughs>
0: Ellen, in 15 seconds, what is Nice
1: Games Club? It's our game dev podcast. Steven, help! Game mechanics, accessibility, art and animation, level design, prototyping. Everything that goes into making video games. How's that, Mark? Nice. Listen to Nice Games Club wherever you get your podcasts or at nicegames.club.
0: Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all.
1: Support for Superhero Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in
0: men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle.
1: Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you.
0: 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack. Yes, that's back for our longtime listeners, Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com.
1: If my math is correct, you'll be serving 8 million balls.
0: That's right. Now listen up, everyone. If you want the Bruce Wayne lifestyle, the billionaire Playboy lifestyle, then you've gotta shave. And we're not talking about your face. We're talking nose hair, armpit hair, pubic hair. When Bruce
1: Wayne goes out with Silver St. Cloud, he doesn't have nose hair sticking out of his nostrils.
0: When he's working out in the cave, he doesn't have armpit hair sticking out under his sleeves.
1: And after he's gone down on Catwoman, because yes, that's canon, and she's going down on him, Bruce doesn't have a huge forest of pubic hair to get in her teeth. He manscapes.
0: And if you want to be like Bruce Wayne, then get manscaped through us. I've personally been using
1: Manscaped for years before they sent us these products for the podcast, and I know from experience that they're the ones I trust to reduce nicks and keep everything groomed down there.
0: Now the performance package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and oh man, is it a game changer.
1: Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies
0: first off the lawnmower 4.0 this trimmer is the future of grooming and dare i say the greatest ball trimmer ever Their
1: fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight if you need a more precise shave or if you're shaving in the darkest pits of the Batcave.
0: Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor.
1: You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear
0: Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your
1: hygiene routine. Trust me when I say, fellas, your balls will thank you.
0: Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level.
1: It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com.
0: And get 20% off and free shipping with the code Ballsack.
1: That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code Johnson's Ballsack.
0: Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.
1: Now back to the show. And we are back and we're going to return to talk about Claw Island. Yes, so we're at a similar breakpoint and uh, Andrew is now the evil Andruvian.
0: Evil Andruvian indeed. <laughs> Maybe I should be Andrukian. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> whatever. <laughs> too many, cha- Keep too many changes at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: We promise we'll have an explanation of what the whole evil's of Drakian thing is in the future, in in later in this episode. At but least
0: half of you listeners know what it is already. Exactly. But yes, yes we'll <laughs> explain it to the other half in a minute. Yes, yes. So we have
1: kind of an extended version of the montage where Claw Island is being constructed and Edward Nigma is rising up. Through the ranks in terms of being the next big thing. So we have this image of. Whoa.
0: Uh, I've never seen this yeah, one. Yeah.
1: This is Nigma at like a press conference type of thing. And notice he's got the long reddish hair from the early scenes. So he hasn't quite right. adopted the, the Bruce Wayne clone look. Right. And then we get this scene. Uh, with him in a hard hat driving around, which is
0: It looks like he's from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it does.
1: Yeah. Or Liar, <laughs> Like it, it, I have a feeling this is this scene exists and it's just Jim Carrey just riffing off of everything and you know making funny voices and that type of stuff.
0: <laughs> he's always having a good time. Yeah. And, so with this kind of shit—that's
1: probably what's going on. And then we got this deleted shot of Claw Island headquarters. You can see the island in proximity to Gotham City, which sort of sets up how Batman has to get. There by sea and by air at the end. So that's cool. According to 1995 Batman, this was inspired by Alcatraz in San Francisco, as we can see here. So that's pretty cool.
0: Uh, Looks very similar.
1: Yep. So uh, I don't know if we have enough material to cover the historical and cinematic influences on Batman Forever. Uh, but if we have to go for historical, <laughs> this is the one Alcatraz or Claw Island. So there we go. Right, right, right. right. Uh, There are also these stills of Bruce Wayne in what looks like his office by himself. This is not in the movie. The only time he's in his office is literally when he just goes into, you know, basically go to the Batcave. It looks like he's investigating the riddles that he's received. Hardcore detective work here. Intense brooding. That type of stuff. But at one point in the script, it says that he looks around and he's like, what the hell? Because he sees the red book on his desk. Only to shake his head and see that he's been hallucinating. And it's just a regular book. As his assistant Margaret comes in, uh, we got this image from Mind KidZag. I don't know where Mind got it from, but um, it's cool. Uh, on it. it, it might be. I don't know if this is a artist manipulation of it or through Photoshop or if it's an actual photo of it. So let us know and stuff. This but,
0: the hands look like. I don't know. Yeah, it, it couldn't doesn't look right. Photoshop. Yeah something's a little off yeah here. exactly
1: that's why i'm just like eh, i don't know i mean the other ones are clearly actual photos of, of kilmer uh but this one i'm like eh, it could be coming from other stuff but either way there is still a scene that takes place in bruce's office where he hallucinates the book so if it's not this specific shot it's probably f- was some version of it was shot based off of these other photos here so if
0: it wasn't Shot, it's also possible that it was the on set photographer mm-hmm. getting some shots. Well, why would he be in the getup in that? Yeah, why would he be that in the getup and
1: why would he have the, the riddles here on that? That's true. It's yeah, I guess scenes. so. Yeah. yeah, I
0: guess it was a scene they were shooting. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we've got these, and then we've also got uh, Bruce and Alfred doing a montage about trying to figure out Riddler's game plan based off the riddles that were left. The scene in the script also has some dialogue planting the sonar suit from the end with Riff- Alfred saying that he's confident it will never work, and Bruce hits back that that's what Alfred said about the Batmobile.
0: This scene obviously setting up the battleship sequence, so...
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> there's the also grid. a scene that we discussed earlier in the Unmade Batcaves episode where Bruce and Alfred investigate the box and try to pry it open to see what it's made from, but the insides immediately disintegrate, because Nygma's thought 10, step ahead, ten steps ahead. This is also featured in the trading card as well.
0: Dude, they should have made a toy, or did they? And I didn't ever see it, but like the if there was a toy of the box. Yeah, like it's something I would have bought would just cool. to just yeah. to brain drain my little brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and it now my mind is smarter cool. than yours. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, look how it looks kind of cool, you know. Yeah, so that's true.
1: Could have just yeah. gotten a blender and gotten some uh, you know, <laughs> <know>. green plastic <laughs> panels to glue on to the sides.
0: We weren't that creative, (laughs) man It took us a while to get creative (laughs) Oh, well Oh, man
1: Uh, This next sequence was cut from the final draft But does appear in an earlier draft Comic adaptation has it That's what I mean where stuff is just silly and comedic But Two-Face and Riller basically get high off of knowledge from the box As if they're basically getting baked It's a silly scene I don't know if it was shot for real. If they did shoot it, I feel like this is the part in the Schumacher cut where people would be like, "Eh, you didn't need to add this one in."
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a little much. It's just funny. Like it's it's like, you know, we have like them fucking killing clowns in front of a crowd, and then it's like they're getting high. It's just, I mean, it's just wacky, man. It's totally wacky. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now the darkest stuff about Batman Forever has nothing to do with the villains so much as like Batman's actual trauma stuff. So, oh yeah. Uh, After this is when Dick steals the Batmobile and gets into a fight. This sequence, as pointed out by 1995 Batman, has handwritten dates as late as February 1995, suggesting that the sequence where Dick fights the gang was still going through rewrites even during shooting, which, you know, makes sense of just, in general, that's not something that's unique to Batman Forever. That happens on a lot of major productions. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to identify this specific sequence. In the final script, there's a much longer sequence of Dick Grayson talking to the girls, who show up around the Batmobile, who call him Batboy. I'm glad they did not put more of that in. If there's more of that, please leave that out of the Schumacher cut. Um, but after the sequence is the Digma Tech party, uh, there's a scene in the script that's also not in the final cut where Dick uh, almost calls Bruce Batman to kind of fuck with him. Where he's just like, bad, bad Bruce and stuff uh, because he's just being a fucking jerk. And uh, he goes off to talk to a girl in the band who we see him with later. In the the final cut of the movie, we kind of see Dick get out of the car, and then he's just nowhere near Bruce and Chase for the rest of the party until later. So that kind of explains where he goes. And then Bruce and Chase later have a conversation about them kind of just being friends since Chase is in love with Batman, even though neither of them is really happy about doing that. So uh, I don't know if this scene was specifically shot, but the only thing that exists that could show some evidence of this is this uh, shot here where bro- both Bruce and Dick are escorting Chase into the party. This, of course, could have also just been another publicity photo. Who knows? On it. so
0: Hard to tell. Uh,
1: hard to tell. Uh, we do, however, have this image of Two-Face menacing a member of the band playing there. Some people think this is from a sequence that was cut from an earlier draft that where Two-Face and Riddler stole from an opera. However, 1995 Batman brings up that it basically it has to be from the enigma tech party two-face only wears this outfit at the enigma tech party and the band member here even though it looks like mozart <laughs> uh this <laughs> band member here actually it's a whole bunch of band members who look like this in the final cut of the movie so this, so is, this definitely is just from like the a rock band's
0: look this is yeah, just their look. look
1: as like mozart or something you know so all right <clears throat> who knows uh, Batman also is said to have used the bat cuffs on the thugs in this script, so that's where the bat cuffs come in, not in the bedroom of Chase Meridian. So oh, that's man, where they do I know. The, <laughs> a sex scene was cut from the original Bachelor's draft, but no bat cuffs were. The Bachelor's cut that. it out. Yeah, or Goldsman cut it out. I don't know who. Oh uh, yeah. It also says he would have used. Bachelor's gas. wanted
0: to see him fucked. <laughs>
1: yeah. Also, the mask <laughs> stayed on.
0: <laughs> but... <laughs> in the scene. Yes. Well, I mean, you know. <clears throat> You still got the lip. The lips are exposed. So yeah, it's like you can still do a lot. <laughs> you can still with do that. a lot. Yes, it's not like a Spider-Man mask <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's a different kind of thing altogether. Well, I guess they roll it up the fucking movies. Yeah, but still. you do.
1: You do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's true. Uh, for this sequence as well, it says that he uses a gas gun uh, on the thug. So that would have been cool too. I don't know if that was made. That's just in the script. There's also an additional scene involving Two-Face's girlfriends, Sugar and Spice, where they're left behind at the party. As you notice, they don't leave with Two-Face when he leaves the party. So Spice brings up that she could call a guy to get a helicopter so they can leave. Not really necessary for that to be in there. Uh, But on this note, uh, Debbie Mazar, who played Spice, apparently had these shots taken of her playing with a whip on the set. Some speculate that this was for part of the movie that was cut. However, there is no such scene in the script where Spice is using a whip, and Debbie Mazar herself doesn't really recall any details of this because she's commented on this being like, you know, I'd love to see the cut and stuff. Uh, This could just easily be her messing around on the set, you know, just some stunt person, you know, she's bored. She doesn't have that major part in the movie. Some stunt person's like, hey, play around with this and
0: stuff. Dude, Uh, there's a guy at my work that just uh, whips, like, it's like sport whipping kind mm, of thing. Yeah. It's kind of like his workout or something. And I don't know how popular it was in 94 when they were shooting this, but it's kind of like a subculture kind of s- sport basically now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. She's she's probably just fucking around. I think you so know, it's just something to do. It's like, it's a yeah. hurry up and wait thing. Uh, she's in her trailer just waiting on her shots. She was bored. Yeah. How she got away with the noise of the whip crack during <laughs> filming. Well, it, could, it, it could have been, have been it could filming, have been yeah. during lunch hours or some shit. Yeah, it's possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, this is very much outside of the trailers and probably everyone else is like Oh, yeah, they're indoors. Too. That's yeah. true. The so.
0: soundstage. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
1: that's probably not affected at all by that. So I, I just think she's messing around unless there is some scene of her out there using a whip on somebody. So who knows?
0: So there's no internet craziness about her trying to be Catwoman here? Any kind of crazy <laughs> the new Catwoman fan, for the fan yeah. theories?
1: No, I think the main theory is that like, they're, because she's you know identified as a character in the movie, they pretty much think that she's likely in some sort of action sequence involving the whip. Which maybe, but again, Malcolm's Razor is, is our main strategy here on this podcast. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's just yeah. her messing around. So She's
0: just messing around. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh,
1: Two-Face would then put Batman in a death trap where Batman gets rescued by Dick Grayson in his debut as Robin. Bruce then, of course, shows his gratitude by yelling at Dick Grayson throughout the entire Batcave. And we're then meant to see an extended sequence after this when Dick leaves where Bruce watches the news. And this is what we saw because it's on the 2005 DVD and Blu-ray. We saw this on the $10 Patreon tier. But this reporter, Kenneth Frequency, telling Batman to retire, which actually makes Bruce considerate considering just his duality problems in this movie. Alfred mentions that your parents are already avenged. Probably, you know, one of the most blatant references to Batman 1989 and stuff, outside of the part where Dick brings up that uh, Bruce's parents were murdered by a maniac or weren't murdered by a maniac, and Bruce confirms that they were, sort of hinting at Joker. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's there. Alfred Alfred also brings up the Wayne Foundation, gives millions of dollars to anti-crime programs, again, showing once again... Bruce Wayne helps Gotham.
0: Uh, Bruce yeah, himself. That's true. <laughs> yes. It's been part of it forever. Yes. How bad would Gotham be without him, man? I know, like he's, seriously. This is what Gotham's like with his help? <laughs> My God. Yeah. It would just be, the, be terrible, man.
1: Exactly. Uh, Bruce references <laughs> himself running at his parents' funeral and wondering what he was running from. And he says, quote, maybe I didn't become Batman to fight crime. Maybe it was to fight the fear. This is actually a reference to another comic. This is a line directly out of The Cult, written by Jim Starlin, where Bruce says, quote, always claimed I became the Batman to avenge the death of my parents. That was a lie. I really did it to overcome the fear. So, it's... Unless The Bachelors just happened to have come across the same type of wording, I'm pretty sure this is a reference to The Cult.
0: It's great. And this is connects with some of the best parts of Batman Begins for me, too, where he's... Yeah. I mean you know, becomes his own fear. I before Batman Begins, honestly, I never really even thought about that angle before. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I feel like Batman Forever kind of walks so that Batman Begins can run in a way. You know, you got the (laughs) whole like he falls into the cave type of thing and he spirits the origin, you know. That's true. It's Schumacher also is like it does pave the way for say, hey, you can have other directors giving their vision on this character even though like sure it's one of the more hated versions unjustly in my opinion but it's one of the more hated versions but did show like you can come in with a certain take on this as opposed to you know we've talked beforehand about how superman is very much like if you're not doing richard donner then what the fuck are you doing it's kind of the the main sentiment that's out there which i think is unfair too that's
0: that's true and if you look back on the superman side of things I mean, maybe a bold statement by me, but Man of Steel is just so much better than Superman Returns. <laughs>
1: yeah, Superman <laughs> I don't Returns. Think that's is, <laughs> yeah, Superman
0: Returns is fucking you know just trying to be Donner all over again, and mm-hmm. it's there's just no take there. My man Snyder had a take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, a total and complete badass take mm-hmm. with problems for sure, mm-hmm. but he had a take. Yeah, so yeah.
1: there it is. So I think that's that's paving paving the way for other visions for superman just like batman forever yes. in a way kind of said like hey it doesn't always have to be tim burton even though like people didn't like necessarily the the campiness of the schumacher stuff it, it does pave that way as opposed to if burton did like five movies and stuff then it kind of just really cements in that that's the main one and to many fans it is the main one but i do think that there is something fascinating about all these different takes on it as opposed to just one so uh take that for what you will Later Mm -hmm. in this deleted scene, Alfred tries to make Bruce call Chase and tell her how he feels, but Bruce hesitates. And when she picks up the phone and he doesn't answer, she's like, who is this? And he hangs up, dramatically saying, who am I, Alfred? I don't don't think think I know anymore. It's a little melodramatic, but...
0: I've got amnesia.
1: (laughs) Not yet. Not yet.
0: I'm going to spell out everything to the audience. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs)
1: Uh, Next is the sequence in Halloween, where Chase shows up at uh, Wade Manor. And Bruce shares his repressed memories. And this is key to understanding the subplot. This is something that I'm just like, we have no evidence that this was shot. But it had to have been shot. Because, fuck it, come on. It, it needs to have been shot. It's actually not in the copy of the draft that Kidzag put out there. Uh, that's the shooting script. But I, that does not mean that it was cut. Because I, I looked in through it. And I found that page 88 has Bruce about to go into... <laughs> you know, his traumas, and then page 90 is what's next, where she says like, oh, it's not your shit. fault and stuff. So I'm just like, there's a missing page 89 here. There's a missing page 89. And in order to find the content of that, you have to look at an earlier draft as your best bet for what happens in that. And then in that earlier draft, it's Bruce sharing the fact that when he opened that journal as a boy at the Wayne's funeral, he read the entry from his father saying, quote, Bruce insists on seeing a movie tonight and Bruce was always haunted by that because he felt that that meant that because he insisted on going to the movie that he was the one who killed his parents he was the one who took them to the theater it's his fault and he's been fighting that guilt ever since and so batman is his way of atoning for that sin it's his penance for the crime that he's that he committed as a kid and that's that's what chase is kind of foreshadowing when she brings up like what possible crime could he have committed to earn such nightly torture this is this is why he right. feels like he needs that nightly torture. That's why he tortures himself on this type of stuff. This is such, this is such a key thing. This is, you need this if you're going to bring in the Red Book. And the problem is we don't have the, I mean, scenes.
0: this is what I, we always say. Uh, they cut out the entire character arc <laughs> for <laughs> yes. Batman himself. Yeah. How often does a character arc get cut out? You're, the entire crux of what the character goes through in the movie, man. I it was mean, the 90s. I don't it was know. the '90s. Yeah. McDonald's didn't like it, man. Yeah,
1: no, we wanted more of Batman punching people in the face and less uh, psychological torture and repressed memories and psychological shit. So that's <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. where the mind was guess, at the time, and I guess so, it's man. understandable at that time. But you know, looking back on it, I think everyone's just like, "Yeah, that's that was a big, that was a big blow to this movie, because that's, that's the whole it point missed, of the movie. Yeah,
0: missed some greatness there yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah." So you need this scene. I'm hoping that there is some footage. Like, honestly, you don't need some of this other stuff. I don't need to see Jim Carrey beating the shit out of a guy with a cane. Any of this other stuff. But I need this scene. Because if you're going to do this, you need the Red red Book stuff. (laughs) Well, this links
0: right into Evil Satrake and all that shit, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So if you don't have this, then that stuff later on just doesn't really work as well. So, or even the earlier stuff, like in the, in the way it plays out in theatrical, the theatrical cut is just like, oh, there's this red book I keep seeing. Whoa. What's the red book? Oh, it's just something that I carried around and then I fell into a cave and saw a bat. Now I remember I saw a bat when I was young. I'm like, it's a subplot that leads nowhere in the theatrical cut. It's the, it's the original version that actually has the meat, the soul of this movie and it's deleted.
0: It also ties into the fucking name of the movie, right? <laughs>
1: yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Whenever, so go back and listen to my mind get blown on, <laughs> on, uh, on not on screen, we weren't recording video at that time, but mm-hmm. in the episode, what was it, part one, part two?
1: It was part two, it was the script deep dive, the Batman Forever
0: script deep dive, yeah, yeah when I revealed that. Yeah, so. I didn't know about all that at the time. I, I think I had seen the Evil Satraki, and I had probably seen that shot mm-hmm. just kind of out of context on YouTube, but then, you know, you, you really broke it down for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we'll go. Yeah. We'll, I'll repeat that here for the, uh, for the viewers and the listeners. But, but moving further, during the Wayne Manor sequence, Two-Face is flipping his coin a lot. I know there's a fan theory that he's not actually flipping the coin multiple times so he can kill Batman. He's flipping it for, like, the different people. But the script just flat out says he's flipping it multiple times until he gets the results he wants. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I gotta shoot down that fan through. I wish that was the case, but unless you have a literal shot of him looking at Alfred then flipping the coin, looking at chase then flipping the coin, then like it's just us trying to retroactively justify what happened here, and it's just like it's this just what two face yeah,
0: this two face it's just kind of feels like the coin flips more like a facade or. It, yeah, he just I really mean, wants to do
1: evil shit. The coin just gives yeah,
0: information. yeah. He yeah, it's it doesn't have anything to do with the coin. It's yeah. just what he wants to do, which shows his what do you call it con- self contradiction, I guess. Yeah. which is uh, deep in its own way, I guess. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, but oh, I mean, overall, Two Face is pretty much just like a generic maniac in this movie. You know, there's mm-hmm. not really a lot of yeah, the that's other true. that's true. The depth uh, to the character that you would. You would expect. And he's probably like the out of the characters, he's the weakest one. Outside of maybe Dr. Chase Meridian, but it's it's understandable in a kind of a way because of just how Riddler just wipes the floor with him in terms of the screen presence here uh in this.
0: He should he shouldn't have been doing this. I know. He should have talked to Barry Sonnenfeld uh earlier or something, the guy that directed Men, Men in, in Black. Black. Mm-hmm. Because that's when he started to be the straight man and the funny man, straight man scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he would have, him trying to like outplay Jim Carrey, dude, it, it's like trying to fucking outrun Usain Bolt, man. You're yeah. not, It's not going to happen.
1: No, no. And it, and it didn't work either because like people, nobody is like, oh, I love Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Most people remember Jim Carrey still.
0: No one, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Jim Carrey's presence is just... Mm-hmm. It's insane. He's Jim Carrey. What can you do? There's not many people like him. He's yeah. yeah, He's doing Jerry Lewis for the modern age, but still, it's Mm -hmm. he's the only guy doing it really. Yep. In this in this time period. Yeah. Even now. So.
1: True. Uh, There's another moment in the script where Alfred uses the wristwatch that he uses to communicate with Bruce. He uses it to alert nine one one that Two Face and Riddler are attacking Wayne Manor. So that's kind of a cool payoff to that. Two-Face does end up getting the evil side of the coin, which enables him to shoot Bruce, which wounds him. And when Bruce wakes up with the hit theatrical cut, he seems fine, which kind of makes it seem pointless that he was shot in the first place, outside of just incapacitating him enough for a chase to get taken. But in the scripts, Alfred tells him that the cave was destroyed, and Bruce asks, "Cave? What cave? Which would have mm. shown that Bruce gets amnesia from the gunshot an hour and a half into the movie. It's yeah. a questionable choice, honestly. It's, it's, it's way too late into this. There probably were, were other ways to get us into the subplot we need to on this, but it's, it's what was shot, at least I would think, and stuff. That's another thing that you need. You need the, the establishment that Bruce has amnesia in order for what's to come uh, to make sense, in a way. So, as covered in the Unmade Riddler's episode, we would have gotten an extended sequence of Riddler talking to Chase with Chase warning Riddler that he's frying his brain from using the box. Riddler doesn't listen to her. He knocks her out with a syringe in return, saying "nap time, gorgeous," which was featured in the trading cards as well as the comic book adaptation, and could have been kind of creepy. I don't know how it was played. So uh, this image here with Carrie up, you know, <laughs> like up on her face, kind of looks pretty creepy. But you know, we would have to see it. Yeah. Uh, we would then get to see more of the ruins of the Batcave and the Batmobile, like we see here. As well as here, this is the crime lab that got exploded. And then this is the inside of the uh, Batmobile, I think, that got torn up. I know, no love lost on on your part, Andrew, since you don't like this Batmobile. Anyway. No, uh, don't like it. Good riddance, then. Uh, Bruce has amnesia, but Alfred guides him through and tells him to face the reason why he became Batman in the first place. So Bruce goes further and goes to the area where he fell in as a boy. And he finds the diary that his father wrote finding the full entry that Bruce insists on seeing a movie tonight. But, but, Martha and I have our hearts set on Zorro, so Bruce's cartoon will have to wait. And Bruce realizes that his parents' deaths were not his fault at all. And as he discovers that, he sees a shadow fall on him. And this is the giant bat. We have some concept art with this drawing of the giant bat. We have another shot of the giant bat lit in the, uh, you know, in the shadows over here. Uh, But... Basically, Bruce faces off against the bat—the bat from his childhood, the bat that he saw when he fell into uh, into the cave when he was young at the funeral—and right. he confronts it. And he brings his arms up right in front of it, uh, sort of match the wingspan of it. And bat meets man in this. And uh, it's a real animatronic. It is not CG in this. It's not a miniature. It was actually made. And you can see it right next to Kilmer in this behind in these behind the scenes photos where they look like they're buddies. Yeah.
0: The red eyes, man, really make it creepy as hell too.
1: I feel like this is a buddy cop poster right here. This the one where they're looking at each other.
0: A little. This was this was a lot of work too, man. They were probably very pissed. Also, like the it's called hair punching, and you put the hair in it. Look at that. Yeah. Took 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 fucking forever, man. So I mean, I mean we're looking at like God, I don't know how fast shit went back then, but with a, like a full team doing it, it like kind of around the clock at mm-hmm. least. Uh, you know they said they worked longer hours back in the day, but let's say it was <laughs> like a nine to five thing, mm-hmm. eight to five, three months at least probably.
1: Yeah. Like, to make the evil Saitraian. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, as we've hinted at before, it is called the Evil Satrakian because that is what is the sign on it when this was auctioned off. And it's likely named after Mark Satrakian, who was the head animatronic designer on the movie. So It is. That's where I, it I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. Not, not even likely Not even likely, is. yes, it is. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, Bruce then emerges from the cave after this encounter. And when Alfred says, Master Bruce, Bruce responds, Batman, Alfred, I'm Batman. So, <laughs> he's back to remembering who he is.
0: And he is uh, Batman forever.
1: Yes. So basically the whole idea was that Bruce would be grasped with like his duality and tempted to you know, take one side over another, tempted to be Bruce Wayne um, and stuff, always feeling like he was forced to become Batman due to this guilt and stuff. And this guilt is absolved once he sees this diary entry. But because of the fact, fact that Chase is in danger, because of the fact that he is Batman – he makes the choice. Instead of feeling like he's forced into it, he makes the choice to become Batman and thus becomes Batman forever. Hence, Batman forever. Uh, there's no blatant dialogue in the script <laughs> that points this out, but that is kind of the deeper meaning that a lot of people have seen when reading the ones who have read this, you know, the, the earlier drafts and stuff and seen what they were originally going for. So that makes a lot of sense in terms of the title. Uh, so later Bruce figures out that Edward Nigma is Riddler and is holding chase at Claw Island. So he tells Alfred that it's good that Edward didn't know about the cave beneath the cave when he was blowing shit up. And so they stand here by the ruined Batmobile and the platform of the Batmobile starts going down into the cave beneath the cave. This was cut from the movie. Um, so that explains why Riddler was not able to blow up the sonar suit, the bat wing, the bat boat, any of that stuff, because it was kept in another sort of subterranean lair beneath the cave. So that was cool. Uh, we've covered this before, but Riddler's hair at the, in the finale was not originally meant to be the big poofy red hair with the uh, white sparkly suit that we saw at the end. It was described in this fu- shooting script as being shaved into a question mark, which it transferred over into the novelization. Uh, along with various other media later on, like the New 52, ever since. And in the shot from the Batman Hush movie, you and I both think that this is a stupid idea.
0: (laughs) They're being
1: shaved into the question mark. Uh, And apparently the reason why it never went through is because Jim Carrey was going through a divorce at the time, did not want to show up in court with a question mark shaved into his head, and that type (laughs) of stuff. So they just went with another wig instead. Yeah. So, uh, the script also confirms that Two Face at the end has a giant light headpiece when confronting Batman and Robin. The concept art of that we talked about last week, but here it is again on that with the yin yang, the red and white yin yang on here. Mm-hmm. And then there's. Bloody. A, yes. There's a scene afterwards of Sugar and Spice being left behind, just like at the party, and Spice says that she knows a guy who has a boat. So. It's kind of a gag thing that they continued on. We didn't really need that, so it's not something I would miss in the Schumacher cut. I just need the Red Book stuff.
0: <laughs> right, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah.
1: The last scene that's on the 2005 DVD and Blu-ray is where Alfred is driving Chase away from Arkham Asylum after she talked to, to Edward Nygma and after she's kissed Bruce, and she asks, does it ever end, Alfred? And Alfred says, no, miss, not in this lifetime, because he's Batman forever. So... <laughs> This then would have cut to the final shot of the movie. Now, the final shot of the movie in the theatrical cut uh, are the silhouettes of Batman and Robin running in front of the Bat Signal. A bit of a um, some have kind of compared it to the Batman sixty six opening with Batman and Robin running towards you. That type of stuff. It was not originally supposed to end this way. The final shot of the movie was actually supposed to echo Batman eighty nine with Batman on top of sort of a building of Gargoyle and Robin joining him next to him. And we have this shot of them in front of a blue screen uh, from the official movie magazine. And we have an even bigger shot here on it. And there's some fan speculation I'll bring up that the building that they're meant to be on is actually Arkham Asylum, given a few things. One is that this Gargoyle, the the way that it looks like, looks very similar to the Gargoyle on the miniatures of Arkham Asylum that we have Mm. here. And if we think geography-wise, Chase just left Bruce outside of Arkham Asylum. So it makes sense that he would just, you know, suit up and meet Dick there at Arkham, and then they go off to to Gotham City. I don't know why they wouldn't just meet outside the gate as opposed to just meet on top of the building, but there you go. It's for the dramatic shot, of course. Um, Yeah, why not? This shot made it through a lot of different stuff. So this is the comic book adaptation, the final shot where we got Batman and Robin on that gargoyle. Uh, 1995 Batman created a composite of what this could look like based off of using the Gotham from the movie, the Bat-Signal, as well as the, uh, the shot from, of the blue screen uh, from the magazine. Also, it's the ending of the arcade game. Oh, right. Dan yeah. found this. The arcade game ends with the original shot that was supposed to end the movie. So that's pretty cool. And then this carried over into other merchandise. We got uh, sort of this promo image from... This looks like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, We also have this shirt. I might have had this shirt. If I didn't have this shirt, I definitely had that coloring book on the right.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: I definitely had that coloring book and stuff. I don't know if I still have it. Uh, Future Deep Dive, everybody. The coloring book.
0: (laughs) Batman coloring books.
1: (laughs) We said we'd cover everything. Uh, Some more of these... uh, basically some more of these trading cards as well. All similar shots of Batman and Robin on top of a building. Uh, this, this backpack, I don't think I had this backpack, but this backpack no. also has a similar image of this. So uh, those all point to it. There are some who seen, have seen this image and believe that it's the, uh, basically the final one. However, it is not. This is actually footage from the, uh, the promo for the Batman Forever video game. Uh, where somebody's singing about the real game begins, which is the uh, the line that Riddler says in the movie. Uh, basically, right. a criminal is running around, and he looks up and he sees Batman and Robin on top of a rooftop. Uh, <laughs> the guy kind of looks like a, I don't know, kind of like a Manhatter slash ventriloquist type uh, or whatever. He's in like an orange and white jumpsuit or straight jacket type thing. He looks up, he sees them, and then Batman just dives, just dives right off the building towards them, and then the commercial ends. So that's pretty cool. On that. Mm -hmm. So that's the ending. And then, yeah, after this, we pretty much have some publicity photos, are just alternate shots, I think. I don't think they're actually like scenes from the movie. I think there's just a photographer uh, doing production stills on set. Um, We got Dick Grayson here. We got Dick Grayson sobbing after trying to beat Batman and realizing he can't. (laughs) So there's that. We got this image of the Enigma Tech party, of just like the, the blender looking thing of the box. And the sign "Imagine the Future" in neon, <laughs> uh, and we've got Two Face alone walking down the steps and shooting. This is likely probably from some sort of rehearsal or some other just production still. I don't. He leaves with a thug, so I don't think there's an alternate version of this where he's just leaving alone and stuff. So uh, again, I think this is publicity. It's a publicity photo. So there's a
0: bunch of extras in this as well, or just him and th- the thugs in the final.
1: In the final, it's just him and the thugs. I think. Okay. Yeah, because they're leaving the party. Uh, but yeah, I think that pretty much covers the Schumacher cut. What did you think now that we've put everything sort of together? You've seen visuals of some of the stuff that that uh, we've talked
0: about in the past. I mean, man, I mean, if this is what has been leaked, and there might even be even more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're in for a hell of a cut. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's the thing is like we've gotten the Snyder cut. It's they've already shown that they they'll they'll do this kind of thing if there's enough enough outcry, and I just wouldn't be too surprised if they kind of announced you know the Schumacher cut coming to
1: HBO Max, HBO Max yeah. in a
0: couple of months or something. Dude, if they want people to sign up or they want people to start talking about HBO Max, they want to own Twitter for a day or two, they need to just do this, mm. you know. Just fucking put it on there. Yeah, you know, uh, hell, you could make physical copies. You, I mean, we'd buy them. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> it'd be incredible. That'd be yeah.
1: That'd be a hell to get, honestly.
0: But it, it, yeah, and at least at least on HBO Max for for something. I mean, it's hard to. You probably couldn't call it the Schumacher Cut anymore, just because he's not with us anymore. But, you know, uh, it would. It, honestly, the official name probably wouldn't be Schumacher cut. I don't know, but it would be you know, it would have all these extra scenes. It would ha- it would be like a red book kind yeah. of cut, mm-hmm. but but better, more professional. Yeah. Not that that one's not professional. that was a fan edit. It's a fan edit. doesn't have some of the scenes. Technically a fan edit. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have some of the scenes, so Yeah. Um so yeah, it's exci- it would it's exciting to kind of I feel like this episode has kind of prepped me for that announcement. I mean, I never thought they'd do this fucking Snyder cut. I was, I mean, you, yeah. you, you, we had these conversations. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, they'd never do it. it you know, <laughs> they, it's it, they didn't want to give Snyder that kind of power. He Snyder is probably gonna leave Warner Brothers. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Or and, uh, <laughs> and look what well, happens, happened. Yeah. They gave a four-hour cut on HBO Max, and we loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so much better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just missing that potential, and I'm sure the Bachelor's want to see it and um val kilmer wants to see it i would imagine i mean it's it just stands the chance to the chance of being so much better Mm -hmm. i mean it's going to never be what well i take that back i think like fans like zach where batman forever is like like as it is now is one of the one of his favorite movies Mm -hmm. of all time out of all movies Somebody like Zach might have some trepidation. I mean, he's going to see it anyway, probably still like it, but like Zach likes it as it is, you know? I mean, I like it too, but you know, he really fucking loves it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a difference there. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, reception will be mixed, but as it usually is. But uh, yeah, I'm exi- I'd be excited for what, what we get.
1: Yeah. I
0: don't think
1: it'll basically convert new believers. Is my thing because of the fact right. that, like, what we're looking at is a longer cut. It's an extended cut. It's something that's going to be more. It's going to be something closer to, say, a. Like, when, when the director's cut came out for, like, Daredevil or The Punisher, where it's like, it's the same movie. It's just with extra scenes in it. I don't think it's dramatically. Uh, like, the story is still the same. It just has more to it on stuff. So, like, if you still get, I, I'll get Drive Through. You're still going to get, like, certain, like, Moments that people hate. like the rubber nipples are still there. It's not going to be dramatically yeah. that different of a movie. It's They're not, not
0: going to George Lucas that shit. Yeah. and have all the rubber <laughs> nipples t- removed. No,
1: and I hope they don't. Honestly, I hope they don't because if it really yeah. is the Schumacher cut, then it should stay true to what they were doing. That's true. So that's true. It's yeah, it's not it's it's not a Snyder cut situation where it was a completely different director who took over and we didn't really get to see necessarily the original vision. It's just that we saw the most of the original vision. It's just there were certain things that they decided to to do away with and we'd love to see that part of it so i just think people there might be a little bit of something that was overblown by fans in terms of it being just like oh it's like so much darker i'm just like well yeah but it'll still have the other parts like the music the score is going to still be the same you know the the color grading is still going to be the same it's still going to be bright neon rubber nipples jim carrey tommy lee jones hamming it up all that type of stuff. You're still (laughs) going to have that. You're just going to have an additional subplot that'll make the movie better. And that's the main thing. Yucking it up. Just get your yucks
0: (laughs) with with Gary.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, the main stuff I care about in terms of the stuff that was shot to put in are the, the Red Book parts. And so I really hope that they're, you know, if all they, literally, if all they do is just put that stuff back in. If there's a scene that Kilmer played with Nicole Kidman where he brings up what was in his father's diary, and then the scene where Kilmer believes that he has amnesia, that type of stuff. if that stuff is around, put that back in. I don't need the other stuff, you know, Like yeah. maybe reorder it back to the, the order that it was supposed to be in the beginning. But you know, if you don't have that stuff, though, like let's say they decided to do away with it before they even like did that scene where he reveals that with his dad, uh, the, the words that he wrote, read in the diary, or if they don't have the part about the amnesia. They just, because again, they shoot this type of stuff out of order. If they don't have the stuff that sets up that subplot well, then I'm sorry, but I'd rather not even see it then in that case, because it's just like, you're going to be better off with it living in my imagination based off of these scripts, as opposed to seeing a cut that's like, they're going to what CG some like double on Kilmer and have somebody like Kilmer can't even ADR this stuff right now due to the throat cancer. So like, I'm just hoping everything was actually shot or ADR in some form uh of those specific scenes and if not then i'm just like all right well then i'd rather just live off of this script because i we are we kind of already know what's in there on it but if they do have it then i'd love it i'd love i'd love to see it uh but again i, I this is not something where it's dramatically going to have like a completely different score like with the snyder cut with junkie xl like danny elfman is not going to come <laughs> on and, and do an alternate score for this it's still going to be elliot goldenthal doing the wacky uh you know, Saturday morning cartoon kids type of thing, kids playing with action figures type of thing that he wanted to do with that score. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be uh. that much dramatically different in tone overall, but it will be darker with the subplot. That'll definitely bring, you know, the movie together and stuff. And So that's that's sort of my take on the Schumacher. So guy.
0: you're saying even though they're adding more, yeah. less is more. <laughs> kind of. I,
1: I'm saying they're adding more, but to not expect it to... Suddenly, do away with any of the stuff that uh, it's notorious for.
0: As I okay. said, like the rubber nipples,
1: yeah. the the campiness, like that's all still going to be there. There's that that to... would
0: be the biggest part of the budget if they do if they did do that. Removing the nipples, like having to track, it's, it's not, yeah. motion track <laughs> all those shots. Yeah, uh, it would it would be honestly ridiculous. It's just not worth doing. That just adding the to, fucking red book shit just to like satisfy said. the fans.
1: Like no. No, just keep no. The, keep the goddamn nipples in there.
0: The thing, yeah. Just get put the fucking character arc of the main character yep. back in the fucking mm. movie. Yeah, and the big bat, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. We really need the the big bat in it, man. I regi- mean, which is <laughs> all the connected. <laughs> yeah, the Sutreki cut. The Sutreki cut. It yeah. sucks because like Schumacher being dead, they just they probably are not going to call it the Schumacher cut when it releases. Because unless they get fucking permission from the fucking, uh, you estate. know, Schumacher estate, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like, but uh, you know, Snyder's still alive. He was in the editing room yep. making the editing decisions. He did what he wanted with it. Yeah, directing the editor. Right, this can't happen with Schumacher. So you, you know, I'm just telling everybody, uh, the fans out there, we'll I feel like we'll probably get it, but it's probably not going to be called the Schumacher cut. That's all.
1: It'll be like Batman Forever Extended Edition. Whatever, yeah,
0: basically, because just, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah,
1: or extended cut, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, if you know, you know, when it comes to just, like, what's going to be in there, because, like, I'm sure there's still going to be contingent of ignorant, ignorant people who are just like, why would I want that? You know, like, <laughs> you know, I think don't know about the subplot or don't know the level of depth that came into the study of, you know, it's basically the payoff to all the psychological essays and stuff that The Bachelors read as research for this
0: movie. The Bachelor cut.
1: Maybe. Maybe.
0: No, I don't know. They probably, <laughs> probably extended, the extended edition is honestly, like be, yeah. like, like we always say, Occam's Razor, simplest thing. Yeah. That's probably going to be the name. Yeah. But as a hashtag and as a movement, Schumacher Cut, release the Schumacher Cut, it yeah. works. hmm For sure.
1: Pretty much. So, yeah, we'll have to see if that ever happens. But until then, that is superhero stuff you should know. So... Big thanks to dan for putting together the visuals for this youtube experience we also are going to add in as a post credits thing some additional just really quickly some additional deep divey information on the batman from this year that i did not get to cover in the others that have come to light one is that uh this is going to sound familiar but in the original script for batman returns and daniel waters's version uh batman was on a glider and at one point quote he edges out before the crowd parallel to the ever this is going to get Hurt closer ground, Batman brams into an alley, <laughs> down for a skidding, quasi-crash, leaving him barely conscious. The black balsa bat wings crunched to pieces in the tumble. So Batman, who wrote eaten this? Shit. this is Daniel Waters. Yeah,
0: this is a hell of a paragraph. <laughs> man. The way this is written is a it's Daniel really fun and, and incredible. That's how he writes.
1: But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is. As you can see, basically the whole idea is that originally, in Batman Returns, Batman was going to eat shit when falling on the glider in Batman mm. Returns. Obviously, he lands a lot smoother in the final film, but I thought, oh, that's an interesting foreshadowing of what would happen to Pattinson in the Batman. So
0: he walks it off, baby. Walks yeah, it he off. Just walks it
1: off. Yeah. Uh, also, there is a an interview with uh, Glenn Dillon and David Crossman, who worked on you know the costume, specifically the Batsuit. So, a few details on the bat suit that sort of confirm some of the stuff that we talked about. One is that the uh, the armor on it is inspired by uh, flak jackets from Vietnam that had bulletproof material, like layers of Kevlar flat, uh, fabric in it. So, uh, that was kind of the inspiration. And then for the cowl, it is confirmed that the cowl was inspired by Adam West. Um, as But also, with the, uh, the Grim Reaper and uh, <laughs> the nose part was inspired by... Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, specifically the fact that his nose was injured at one point, and so they wanted to call That's... more attention to the nose. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Grim Reaper?
1: I guess part of it was, like, they, they wanted to go with the idea that the the face was more of a skull as opposed to, an, like, the, the back cow in so many of these movies has, uh... like, this angry expression on it with, like, yeah. a furrowed brow. There's no furrowed yeah. brow in this.
0: I like... Well, people shit on this cowl, but I I kind of like it. I mean, I understand the nose shit, but I don't know. It really works for patents and he was able to to emote so well with this with this cowl.
1: Yeah, I became. A I believer understand of this it. decision. Yeah, I yeah. became a believer when I saw it in action, which is something that like I usually say like Yeah, but when I see it in action, it's still the same shit. But like in this one, I'm just like, oh, like I get it from a from a performance standpoint and stuff. Like if you gave him a different cowl, this the performance would be, would have been crippled. I
0: think he's just brooding like crazy in this cowl, and just mm-hmm. like the shots where he is just kind of reacting to the Riddler, maybe about to say that he knows that he's Bruce Wayne in the end. Mm-hmm. It's just he doesn't say anything. It's like it's like you know Batman's just kind of waiting. Just the, his reaction shots to that, I thought were just so good. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. know, it's I mean, you really do. intense.
1: You don't get that if you don't highlight the the eyes, if you don't like if you mess with the facial expression where he always looks angry all the time with the stuff, I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm a believer of this, this type of approach on that, and I hope that they... I know he'll probably get some upgrades for the next suit, for the next uh, for the next movie, but I'm hoping they at least stick with the idea of the cowl not um, basically having this neutral expression and not interfering with the performance.
0: Good job, Reeves.
1: Yep. So... <laughs> and then there's Adam West here, so yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So, also... This is a final thing, but you might notice this is on the uh, Funko figure, but it's apparently also in the suit in the movie. I just didn't really notice, but there's bits of yellow on the oh, suit shit. in there. Tying to, to the fact that, you know, there's yellow in the bat suit. but you can see it above the boots in uh, the Funko Pop. So that's pretty cool. I
0: never noticed that.
1: Yeah. So I, I haven't seen it really on Pattinson. I've only really seen it on like the toys and like some concept mm. art type stuff. So I'd have to get like another look. Uh, it might be hard to tell in the movie because it's so dark, but maybe some other behind-the-scenes <laughs> shots we haven't yeah. seen, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, there we have it. Let's move into the fan comments. So we got one from uh, Paolo on our, uh, basically our one of our episodes about back caves. Paolo brought brings up great episode, guys. Just in reference to '89 and working on the cosmetics, he was when he brought Vicky back. It's on the table and monitors, and lo and behold, you can see, kind of on the for the. You know, the video viewers, you can see on the left, uh, in front of the monitor, there is some mouthwash there. Oh, so shit. So, he was looking at the cosmetics after all the times I've watched Batman 89. I've never noticed that. So, or maybe I just <laughs> don't have the edition that has... <laughs> it's not that wide. I don't know. I'll have to take a look again. So,
0: oh, yeah. You got the you got the full screen from back in the day. <laughs> don't get the full screen. <laughs> well, the VHS, yeah, that would probably... Is that it? would be, have yeah. been full screen, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Uh, but thank you for that. I did not know that. So that's cool. Uh, next is Slight Rebellion off Madison. Uh, Slight Rebellion was bringing up the uh, part in the Unmade Bat Caves episode where I brought up how the Bruce Wayne series, Bruce was going to bring in a whole bunch of undocumented Polish laborers to work on the Bat Cave. And we talked about, like, how that was a weird choice. So Slight Rebellion off Madison breaks up, quote, the Polish workers might be a reference, to Donald Trump using undocumented Polish laborers to demolish a department store to make way for Trump Tower back in the 80s. He later settled with the laborers after they filed a class action lawsuit. That was in 1998, right around the time I believe Aronofsky was writing year one. Uh, mm. Interesting connection. I did not think about that. I also would prefer that Bruce Wayne does not emulate this <laughs> when creating the Batcaves, but
0: hey, maybe that's well, you what gotta he was get So gosh dang political, man. <laughs> It's
1: not about politics, it's about this businessman's decision. No, I I, I, understand. <laughs> I agree, 100%. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. So, uh, we addressed this in the Patreon, but we thought we should honor this in the main show, too. So this is, yes. this is a comment from one of our patrons, Halsey. Uh, Halsey Corbin on Man of Steel. And Halsey brings up his own connection to the Man of Steel movie. Comments saying, Hey Andrew, Man of Steel had a strong effect on me as well. I always loved the theme of Superman feeling helplessly alone and a man without a home and dynamic of Costner and him showing him that love regardless of whose blood he carries. I didn't know at the time how much those ideals were already embedded in me. A year after Man of Steel's release, my son was born. I am not his biological father, but I am his daddy, just like Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and he is my son. <laughs> And he will have some low moments in life where he hates me and he hates his biological father, but he will never be alone and he will never be unloved. And seeing how his adopted father is the one that he chooses to honor and remember because of the love he was given from a man who didn't have to be his father, but chose to be. I tear up to this day every time I hear Costner say, you are my son. Thanks for sharing.
0: I thought Snyder was supposed to have made a terrible Man of Steel man <laughs> Superman movie, guys. I thought everybody hated it. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm i not in the same life position that you are. I don't mm-hmm. have a, a son or anything. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, I'm glad you had this experience. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I think surprisingly for, peop- for the people that didn't like the movie, they might be kind of shocked at how deeply it affected some people that really did like it, like me and Halsey. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I understand a lot of the criticisms about the you know the city destruction and all that kind of stuff but it's it's a situation where the good really outweighs the bad uh, with Man of Steel so um, yeah and uh, you know i'm glad that it, what i see on twitter maybe it's my algorithm or something but people are kind of coming around on Man of Steel a lot and when it when it first came out i was so into it mm mm-hmm. It was like everything to me for a while. <laughs> I was in a weird place in my life. And then I come home to find out, like most people hate it. It was like, a, it was like horror. It was mm-hmm. like nightmarish to me. I I didn't want, I wanted the world to love the movie as much as I did. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was just a, one of the weirdest movie experiences I've ever had, honestly. Because generally I kind of agree with the, People make fun of me, but I kind of agree with with the critic side on Rotten Tomatoes, probably more than I should. Mm. Uh, but I just didn't agree with this one. In, yeah. With this one, for sure. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to the, uh, you know, I'll go with my whole spiel in in the Man of Steel episodes. Um, in this one, uh, part one. So check out yeah. Man of Steel: Snyder versus the Critics. You get the the full thing there. So yeah,
1: yeah, and I and I also think that it's what Halsey is speaking to speaks to what brought Snyder into the Superman story in the first place. You know, a lot of his children, including, you know, the late Autumn, are adopted. Is his adoptive children and stuff. Right. And so that that dynamic, uh, you know, is, is a big reason why he paid a lot of attention to Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel. So I can, I can definitely see that connection, even though that's not something that I either of us have personally experienced. But I can see how that can create a, a strong emotional connection to that movie, or at least those scenes of Costner.
0: I mean, you're, you, you, it's like one of the best ways to humanize the alien, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so yeah, I thought th- those scenes were handled really well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. New this April from HyperX. It's the HyperX Clutch Controller.
1: Get better control of your mobile gaming with its comfortable grip, directional pad, analog sticks, and shoulder buttons.
0: This versatile controller can fit a variety of phone widths and can also connect wirelessly for use on tablets and PCs.
1: Learn more and pick one up online at HyperX and HP.com, Amazon, Micro Center, Target, Best Buy, and many other fine retailers. Woo! Yeah. Uh, all right, on to the shout outs.
0: Oh, man. So we're going to do our first kind of shortened version <laughs> of this, everybody. Uh, because luckily enough, we have grown in, you have grown in numbers, we've grown in listeners. Mm. So, thank you, uh, for everybody, for that. Um, but I'm just maybe gonna read just the last few, <laughs> and uh, we'll go on from there. But the full list is on the visual version. If you're on the if you're on the a- oral version only, then uh, you know you won't. You won't see them But they're here on the YouTube version So I won't do this spiel every time of course Because we're already wasting time But this is like our signpost Things are changing with this section Okay So uh, Alright So we want to thank Everybody listed here uh, And especially some of, some of our newer people Such as uh, D- Griffin W Daniel V Pete B Halsey C Maurice D And Jonathan Alright and we have other supporters as well as you see on the list here and moving on from that man it's so quick now <laughs> but yes please please check out the visual yeah um and uh, let us know what you think about how we handle this these days mm-hmm. <laughs> all right going <laughs> forward so uh, yeah please join the Shasta army that's uh, a patreon.com/superhero stuff pod and there you can you see our $1 tier our $5 tier and our $10 tiers we have more tiers, actually, but um, that's to get merch and other kind of things like that, but, like, actual, like, uh, benefits. Uh, so, the $1 tier gets you the shout-out, be it visual or aural. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole other show. This one that you're listening to now is every Monday, and then the, uh, the Patreon show is every Friday. So, you get to hear us twice a week. And you could, you know, if you wanted to just join us for a month and then, you know, do the thing where you cancel your subscription, but you could binge (laughs) us in that time, Mm. which is totally fine. We don't give a shit. As long as you joined us, that's cool. Uh, And then the $10 tier gets you the $1 and $5 tier benefits, but also you can join us in kind of a chat slash, uh, you know, kind of get to know us. Uh, It's like a Zoom with us. Mm -hmm. and interact with us and there is a topic at hand as well or we just kind of chat as well so uh yeah that's once a month it's a monthly meetup that's the ten dollar tier but then we have uh the superhouse superhero stuff pod merch it's on Redbubble. it's on uh threadless that's superhousepod.redbubble.com and superhero stuffpod.threadless.com uh, you know lots of mugs shirts shower curtains and I always say those three things but there's a, a more too <laughs> I think there's like clocks and shit we have there's really all good. kinds of you know stuff on there so check it out <laughs> uh, that artwork is not by Zach it's San- Stefan Santa Cruz uh, so yeah check that out and then please send us some audio been an absolute paucity of this lately an absolute dearth if you will of audio clips and we would we would love it I love vocabulary (laughs) we would love it if you sent us some of that shit to superhousepodcast at gmail.com I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter Thunderwolf lives on YouTube ThunderwolfDrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place except for com. that's A-M-A-N-O R-E-C-O-N dot com not Batman related per se really I mean it's dark nerdy stuff but it is uh, instead of Batman. It is basically R-rated Power Rangers meet Stranger Things. That's my quick pitch. Uh, they're a heavy metal band that gets abducted uh, and by an alien, by a gray alien. It's uh, something that I'm working on, and uh, I don't want to give away the whole fucking plot right now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we're, we we've shot something. We're gonna. Sh- I actually. T- this is real inside baseball, but today I reserved the equi- the equipment oh, nice. to sh- to shoot some pickups, so we're really gearing up to shoot pickups soon to finish it. So yes, every week you get the update on this. Just letting you know it's not just me bullshitting every week. It really is moving forward. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's a sci-fi horror comedy. The 17 second teaser is on the front page of Amanorecon.com. This artwork is by Zach. And uh, that's the poster, and that's it for me. Ben?
1: You can uh, follow us on various social media, on Twitter, at SuperHousePod, on Instagram, at SuperHeroStuffPod, on TikTok, SuperHeroStuffPod, Vero, SuperHeroStuffPod, and uh, my website is BenJuanRider, where you can read, uh, BenJuanRider.com, I should say, where you can read several scripts, my Gotham script, called Gotham Vampire, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk, as well as my spec script for Elementary, called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode they could never make as Larry David goes to Disneyland.
0: Also, real, real quick, real yes. quick, I would love to get, like, a little quick preview. What, like, he's in a line, is like waiting in a line, he's like, what's this? Why are we doing this? Like, what? <laughs> He's probably used to
1: lines and stuff. So one of the things that, that, uh, in terms of a preview of what might happen.
0: Yeah, just a quick, like, half a page or something.
1: Yeah, so in the beginning, he's walking in with Leon and stuff, admiring everything. I already love it. And then he runs right into one of those big lampposts on Main Street. And he yells, oh, fuck, in front of all these parents and kids. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And this Karen-type mom is just like, you can't swear at Disneyland. And he's like, is that in the terms and conditions or something? Like, why? <laughs> and the one who gets pissed off, who can't say anything, is Mickey Mouse. And Mickey Mouse just waves his finger at Larry. And Larry's like, why is he doing that <laughs> for And Leon's like, you haven't heard? Like, three strikes, you piss off Mickey three times, and you're out of Disneyland for life. So Larry has to spend <laughs> the rest of the episode making sure he doesn't get kicked out at Disneyland. So that's part of it.
0: <laughs> I feel like he would almost try to see if he can get the three strikes. <laughs> it
1: depends on how miserable he is there, but you, you find true. out. You find out why he he doesn't like Disneyland in the script, and I have I have a I went into different reasons into that. So, oh, great! Okay. Yeah, I wanted to sort of explore it more in depth than than just he's Larry David and it's Disneyland. <laughs> you know, that's so, true. I'm glad uh, I asked. Yeah. All right, check that out. So yeah, uh, shout out to Comma Capital on Instagram for support as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below as well as the Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time episode that is on there. It's an audio drama that I write, narrate, and edit. Thumbnail by our assistant Dan. Uh, personal Instagram of mine is Ryder. My cat's Instagram, you might have seen me cradle him earlier in this episode, is Alfie. Uh, Alfie Pennyworth cat is his Instagram, and if you have an Alfie like me... Or if you have a peanut and other cats over at Andrew's place. Or if you have the other cats like Zach. Basically, if you're a a co-host of this podcast, you have cats. (laughs) Then you can get the Whisker Box. The only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. But if you have a dog instead, that's cool too because you can get the Bark Box, y'all. Yes. Mm -hmm. Give your dog exactly what they want with the Bark Box. Use our promo code. Get the first month off free valued at $35. Uh, The promo link, I should say. Uh, and that is available at superhero com slash shop. You can get all sorts of shit. You can even get the Batman <laughs> history of uh, The Dark Knight by Andrew Farrago and Gina McIntyre. You can up.
0: get some shit! You can get shit.
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> at Superhero Stuff Pod, yes. Uh, so, yeah, superhero com slash shop. Help us out while also adding to your own collection. You know, give some money out our way without really, you know. Having to do much other than just getting something for yourself. So try that out. Over to Andrew.
0: And we want you guys out there mm. to do us a favor.
1: We want you to tell all your friends about us. I'll get drive through.
0: <laughs> I can't
1: think of any other fucking line <laughs> no, It's appropriate for this one. <laughs>